Hey, what's up, sinners and choosers? Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. My name is Joe. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm uh, going to have another short intro this week. My guest today, Sudanda Sasha Chakul, who uh, she runs a monthly show called Indian Wedding over at Three Clubs. If you live in Los Angeles, you should check that out. And uh, she came to talk about Hinduism, and uh, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, there's, She's our second Hindu on the show. If, uh, if you want another one, uh, Sujata Day was on the show earlier. And so uh, thank you so much to Sunanda for coming out. Uh, if you like this episode, you can find more on chooseyourownreligion.com. Stitcher and iTunes are also places you can subscribe. There's other places you can find me to Google Play has me to the Windows Store. I think still, I, I don't know if that's still alive or not, uh, but they have podcasts too. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, send me an email at jojoquint.net if you want to talk about anything. And uh, one final note, as you'll hear, the audio quality is once again bad. This is the last of the bad audio qualities because I, my recorder fucked up. But uh, I tried to process it and post as much as possible. So sorry once again for the audio. Uh, but again, free podcast. Just not listen if you don't want to. I hope you do. I hope you like it. And that's it. Please welcome in Sunanda Sasha Trakul. Allow the soothing music and uplifting affirmations to center your heart and mind in an awareness of God's love. Wake up, my dear sinners. Wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers? Know that you are blessed. I love you. Jesus loves you the best And I hope that you choose Your own religion uh, Thank you so much for coming Thanks for having me Wait, let me, let me do the, the initial uh, token white guy clarification Sunanda? Yes! Okay, cool Joe? <laughs> that is right Cool Nailed it. How I've heard it said on a TV and things. I mean that that's accurate. We do culturally we do get Joe right. We nail that part. Yeah. Um thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks for responding to my Facebook posts. Of course, man. On the, the underground. Um so you came on you you reached out to me because you grew up well let me clarify this. So you grew up Hindu, mm-hmm. but I can remember correctly, you say it wasn't pushed on you a ton, or it was? Right. Um, so how I would describe my family religiously would be, we are culturally Hindu. Okay. Just like a lot of people are culturally Jewish. Exactly, yeah. I think, and they'll go to synagogue to meet with the rest of the community, and like right. do all like the fun, high holiday stuff. Right, get a bris, get a five mitzvah. Right. Right. And then go for a, you know, breakfast sandwich with bacon in it on a regular <laughs> Saturday. Yeah. So that's your, you're the Hindu version of that. Yeah. Cool. We didn't eat beef at home. Okay. Um, but it was explained more to us as a health concern rather mm-hmm. than as like a religious grievance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you still, do you not eat beef currently? Or I eat so much beef. Really? <laughs> I've actually gotten more plant-based recently. I've actually yeah. stopped eating a lot of beef. Not completely, but uh, hamburgers on the menu. Maybe, oh, for sure. Steak tartare, like the raw, the bloodier, the (laughs) yummy. That's cool. But I should quit from my head. No, that's fine. 
Um, so you're going to, so is it like, like in the, in, I grew up Christian, that pastor, um, so we, but we were, there were always like a type of Christians that, you know, we didn't like hate them or anything, but they were like the holiday Christians, like they'd show up on Easter and Christmas and that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. Were you a holiday Hindu or were you more regular than that? Uh, we were definitely more of a holiday Hindu. Mm-hmm. I am not familiar with all the stories in Lavinas, mm-hmm. uh, which is our holy book. Mm-hmm. I think Hindus have several holy books, but the Vedas became the most prominent and popular. Mm-hmm. Just like the King James Version of the Bible is the most popular version of the Bible. Right. Um, Can you remind me how the Vedas tie into like the Bhagavad Gita? Or do you know I you? think I got that right. I'm like, yeah, I know. And then I'm like, wait, I don't fully know. Oh, but that's yes. We can all do our own research. Yeah. Later, but I'm just curious. But I think the Bhagavad Gita is part of the Vedas. Okay. And the Vedas have a lot of rules on how you should live. Gotcha. Because the Bhagavad Gita, from what I understand, and I've read, read most of it, but like, oh, cool. uh, it's like a story. It's more of like mm-hmm. a, a narrative. It's like a long epic like the Iliad. Really. Yeah, but it doesn't have as much of like the specific like how to live life type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's all yeah, there's like morals in all those mm-hmm. stories that people have adapted. Like there's one very famous uh, monologue um, in the Mahabharata. So the Mahabharata and the Ramayana are also two other super long epic stories that are central to Hinduism or yeah. modern Hinduism. Um, but there's one where Krishna, Lord Krishna is talking to Arjuna, who is like the, one of the princes in the battle. Um, and it's all about like death and life and violence and the necessity of violence and war and peace and things like that. And then you're supposed to learn lessons from that, but it is like reading like a Greek classic and then deriving lessons from that. So you were, you're, you know, quasi- familiar with that and you're going to what are the Hindu holidays I don't even know what the Hindu holidays are well the biggest one is Diwali okay and that is usually sometime between mid-October and mid-November it depends on the full moon yeah I think it's supposed to be like the fullest or the biggest moon and the darkest oh it's actually the darkest night of the year sorry it's Diwali oh okay you know what I like a good like moon-based uh, holiday yeah. or like a good you know it's based on something that's like actually in nature versus like oh you know it's just the 23rd <laughs> you know because yeah, we yeah. decide it's easy to remember the 23rd it's not it's like connected to the earth you know what I'm saying yeah totally yeah. I'm it's, fucking hippie by the way no no um, I appreciate paganism <laughs> uh, that's definitely a big part of Hinduism I think because it's such an old religion yeah it's like 3,000 something years old yeah um, of course, it's gone through like different iterations, and I think, I think for the most part, it's a pretty cool religion. I mean, the creation story seems to parallel like the Big Bang Theory quite closely oh, yeah. in a way. In what ways? Because I'm not as super familiar with the creation story. There was a Big Bang. Okay. There was a big explosion <laughs> in the in the beginning, and everything That's that pretty- exists came from that one. Mm-hmm. Starting sure. Wow, yeah, so there's a one to one kind of parallel. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But of course, they put like, you know, blue bodied gods in the picture <laughs> and then like flying chariots and things like that. Sure. Do you know why? I mean, I don't know, maybe, I don't know this isn't like, that's a question. No. But like, what, why are they blue bodied gods? I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know why they're blue. They're all, there's a lot of blue bodies. I know. I wonder if it's like somewhat racially ingrained hmm. in some way because also, so as I got older, I had more and more problem with Hinduism because uh. um, I think you realize that the fault in all, you know, people created things and beliefs. Um, but like the Ramayana, for example, super fucking racist and sexist. Really? Yeah, because, uh, so they are North Indians. In India in general, there's already kind of a racism between North Indians and South Indians. Yeah. Um, there's a preference for fair skin. There's like a cream you use called fair and lovely. Really? Mm-hmm. And, Most fair and lovely? Yeah. Fuck out of here. Uh, for real. <laughs> and they make it for men and for women. Uh-huh. Um, I think for men it's fair and handsome. Oh. <laughs> Good. Side note, it always oh. makes me cringe a little bit when uh, any time like, uh, a female comic is introduced on like a stand-up, it's like, give up for the lovely so-and-so. I'm like, do we have to? It doesn't have to. Maybe she's not lovely. Yeah. I don't know. She's cool. She's funny. Maybe yeah. she's madly bad. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe she's handsome. Maybe she is handsome. <laughs> I would prefer handsome. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But then, so the North Indians, but, is that the, is it the North Indians prefer fair skin or the South Indians? So they kind of both do, but um, North Indians are Aryan. Not the same as what Hitler believed the right. were, but more Indo-European, I think. And then the South Indians are Dravidians. Yeah. If, if, I don't believe though but and they are uh smaller body frame shorter usually and darker um so there was that divide and then in the ramayana ram who was the king and god um was, name of god name of god right and uh he was banished he was the eldest son uh, of this king he was banished uh because one of the king's other wives hated him pretty much because she wanted her son to Take the throne. I mean, it sounds right. Some Game of Thrones shit. <laughs> and um, so he was banished, and then one of his younger brothers, Lakshman, went with him, and then his wife Sita went with him into the forest for 13 years or so. As they were in the forest, they were tall, big, fair skinned, he had blue skin, uh, North Indians pretty much, and then they traveled south to uh, pretty much South India, mm-hmm. and that's where the uh, like the, he was like an evil giant king, okay. Ravana, okay. and he was the king of the south. Um, kidnaps Ram's wife. That's rude. So they right, but they basically vilify the entire south. Oh fuck yeah! You know because it's like a southern darker, scary monster man <laughs> with huge fangs. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, so like it's one of those things where it's most likely like. They're using that to justify the, the fact that they just hated people that were different from them. Exactly. Right, but they're like, no, there's a reason. We have reasons. There's totally. a there's a giant king that stole our king's wife. Totally. You know? And you're like, cool, man. Why do they have to look like those people, though? <laughs> right, and also, what did they, that currently live there, have anything to do with do? that? A yeah. myth. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. So, like, that happens where it kind of, like, vilifies the South, south a lot, and then... Also, at the very end, Sita it does return to Ram. Mm-hmm. She is the kidnapped wife. And he makes her prove her purity. Pretty much makes her prove that she did not have sexual relations with Robin. Um, you know, some things just transcend religion, you know? I know, right? 
is there, it, some things that really bind us all together. Just like racism, racism uh, sexism, misogyny, that's right. right. It's amazing. Sex, uh, what, slut shaming. Yeah, slut shaming, hardcore. Yeah. They made her walk through a fire is how she would prove her purity. And if she doesn't burn in the fire, oh. just like witches. Right. Um, then she, it means she was pure. She walks through the fire, did not burn. He banished her anyway. What? The fuck? Right. How is that guy gone? I mean, there's so much there's bad science and a lack of integrity. There. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. So, um, one reason I'm, I just like laugh at people who are like, oh man, Hinduism's amazing. I'm like, it's <laughs> faulted just like every everything else. Sure, yeah. Wait, quick, quick sidebar. Totally. One question of the difference between South and the North of India. Who had better food? It's different, different days. Just different. What's what is the difference? Because all I know is like, oh, I'll uh, I was like, no, when I go on Grubhub or something. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Indian food. It's just one big blanket category. I don't know the fucking difference. Yeah. I uh, love paneer. That's all I know. Oh, paneer is from uh, my state where my family's from, Punjab. Oh, really? So it's north northwestern Indian food. That's my that's my like favorite. Oh, paneer's food. the shit. It's so good. It's just cheese, man. It's cheese, okay. but with spinach and mm-hmm. shit too. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, delicious. yeah. It makes you feel like it's a... I'm eating tons of vegetables. <laughs> right, they're like, I'm eating a lot of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, paneer is like a North Indian food. Um, mm. There's a lot of, I guess, yeah, people are not familiar with how regional the cuisine is there. Mm. So there's coastal areas like Bombay and Goa, and then also on the east side um, by like Calcutta, where Bangladesh is, and the state of Bengal, they eat a lot of fish. Yeah, make sure there's yeah. a lot of fish there. Yeah, they don't eat a lot of lamb and, you know, chicken. Uh-huh. I guess they eat more, like, fish and seafood, crab. And then when you go to South India, South Indians are a lot more vegetarian, too. I was say, like, I thought all Indians were, like, pretty much vegetarian. And a lot of them are, but more people in the North eat meat. That makes sense why we would even have, like, chicken with more salad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And then uh, in the South, it's, like, those big dosas. Yeah, yeah, it's like a yeah. huge crepe with like the. Mm-hmm. That's how they did. So you don't hate the South for their food. I fucking love it. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I love all food. I think food is the way to bring everybody together. Yeah. It does seem like Indian culture does have like a huge, like a very large emphasis on food, even more than like. I mean, everybody loves food. Mm-hmm. I love food. Mm-hmm. Americans love food, but we're Americans just steal everybody else's food and like copy it. There's a melting pot here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is there, but there's like, uh, it seems like there's like this, I don't know, there's something, maybe that's, maybe this is me just like from an outsider, mm-hmm. just like my own work perspective. It does seem like there's a somehow more intimate relationship. It seems like people are cooking more in general in India. I um, a lot of the more like traditional homes, I mean, they, they don't exist. I mean, it depends on your socioeconomic status, but. Mm-hmm. If you were well off, you wouldn't live in a house where the hearth and your like, fire is the middle of your home. <laughs> right. But if you were poorer, that would still be the truth. Okay. Um, they are cooking constantly, I think. And then food is such a social activity. Yeah. And it's a very sharing group culture. Like, they de-emphasize the individual but emphasize group benefits. So the same thing with eating. All food is like, you know, family style. I think that makes a big difference as opposed to like, here's your appetizer, here's your soup course, here's your, <laughs> yeah. you know, like course by course versus 
Yeah, yeah. In the, in the shower. There's something, I, I mean, people say that, like, there is a, like, families that eat together are closer, like, you know, growing up, and, and actually, and, and, you know, it's something that we just kind of take for granted, especially in the West, we're kind of, like, always, you know, ha- either eating or watching TV while we're eating, like, we, it's, we don't share as many meals together these days, it seems like, but it's such a, I mean, we talk about one of the unifying uh, activities across all humanity, it's fucking eating. You know, breaking bread together, as yeah. they say, and bread specifically is like something we all have our own version of bread. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in Thailand actually, um, and my I'm third generation Indian Thai, but in Thailand the food culture I think is even stronger. Really? Because there's so much street food, <clears throat> and so I used to work in a, a Thai advertising agency a long time ago. But I just this was our day. Come in at 9.30 a.m., everybody had some food they bought off the street, like some grilled pork and sticky rice or something that they'll still be eating when yeah. they walk into the office. It's at 9.30 in the morning. Wow. 11, 11.30 a.m., people start leaving their desks and, like, congregating to discuss where we're going to lunch. <laughs> um, noon comes on the dot. Nobody gives a crap if there's a deadline. Like, nothing <laughs> trumps a meal. Really? Nothing. Wow. They don't, I mean, urgency is not a thing. You talk about laid back culture, they're like, that's their whole country motto. It's sabai sabai, which means relax, relax. Mm-hmm. Um, so at noon, don't care what's on the line, burning building, don't matter, put it down. <laughs> yeah. You go to lunch for like an hour and a half. Surgeons just put it down as a scalpel. It's like, I, yep. I gotta eat. You gotta eat, gotta go. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no like eating at your desk culture. The that, people would think you're weird great. as fuck. Yeah, you did that, and then you come back from lunch around one thirty. You try to do a little work, and then at like three thirty four p.m., everybody has a snack drawer <laughs> in their work desk with uh-huh. like little like chips or like little Thai snacks and sweets and fruits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then people will share all that and walk around the office. Yeah, and then you leave and you go eat again. People literally eat all day there. What? Small portion. I love that. That's, it reminds me, I mean, I was just in New York uh, for like 10 days, and it was, I mean, I thought LA had great food. I think we do have pretty good food. We're amazing. We have amazing, we still have the best Mexican food, but like, uh, New York, had, because of the street food, you're constantly walking by food everywhere you go, and it's like incredible food everywhere. It does seem like even more, like, yeah, in your face, or a little bit more like, a little bit more of that food culture than we even have in LA, where it's like you'll get you order things in all the time. I don't know. I'm, sure. I've never lived in New York, so I'm totally talking out my ass yeah. too. But, yeah, uh, I live there. Oh, you You're did? right. Yeah. Yeah. We ate a lot. We ate a lot. <laughs> How long did you live there? Ten years. Wow. Wait, should I move to New York? Is that quick sidebar? Yes or no? What are you looking for? <laughs> it's so tiring there. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. When, I think it's cool when you're really young and you're like, I don't care if I'm sleeping on a sidewalk with puke on my face. That's the problem. I don't want the sidewalk anymore. Right. So that's like, how I screwed myself. Should have done it in my 20s. Once, yeah, once your expectations increase, you, like your tolerance for shit drops. Mm-hmm. I was like halfway through that trip, I was like dead set. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like mid Central Park on like a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. It's like, you know, some kid is like high fiving a busker as he tips him, and it's like underneath a bridge outside of the Central Park Zoo. I'm like, this is a magical world. And then there five more days. I'm like, all right, I don't know. And then I get back to LA and I like go on a hike. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't, I can't do this in New York. So yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Maybe. 
But uh, anyway, so get so you're get, get all the way back to so you're growing up. You're going to Hindu holidays. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, oh right. Growing up, but your parents aren't. They're not like super pushy on like you need to do these certain devotions no. or like. Like my, my dad, my dad will make it a point to go to temple every single Sunday. Okay. And he uh, prays every single morning and like lights incense. Um, so I grew up with a home smelling like incense. And, like if my apartment smells like incense, it's not because I smoke pot. It's just I just miss home. Yeah. And. Um, I mean, the Hindu prayers, you're praying to several different deities, right? Yeah, and there's yeah. one main uh, Gayatri Mantra, which is like our main mantra. Um, and it's pretty much, I think if it's loosely translated, it's like bring peace upon all living things and all things and the whole universe and love and peace. And it's like, it's like it's, we get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> peace exactly. and love. Oh, peace on. and love, fun. I know, talk about hippies. Um, <laughs> Well, that's why, uh, it's probably a big reason why the hippies uh, appropriated a lot of uh, Hindu shit. Which it seems like you're kind of annoyed by a little bit. I think, I think it's cool to take the good parts, but like, people don't recognize the bad things. And they, they, exoticism is just another form of racism, right? Mm -hmm. It's just positive racism. And I'm guilty of it. I fucking, I just went to Scandinavia because before I went, I was like... (laughs) Everybody's super high. Everyone's real cool. Um, mm-hmm. I got there and I was like, not sure. It's just everywhere else in the world. There's some ugly, lame people yep. in Scandinavia. Some ugly ass, lame people. Um, but yeah, I think people exoticize it, and that's what I hate about it because they're not—they're not recognizing the negative parts. And I think you need to recognize negative parts of everything that you're taking positives from, yeah. just so you understand where it's prob- problematic, like karma. It's a nice concept to think about, like, if I do good things, good things will come to me. But Hinduism takes it so far, just like any other group of people, right, that use a sort of ideology to control a larger population. Um, They use, Hindus use karma to translate into the caste system. And so... People have been exploiting their position in the caste system for millennia. Just justifying it. And justifying by saying, It's karma. I deserve to be here. I did something great in my last life, which makes me a Brahmin, which means Uh, I can rape women or, you know, take advantage of you or rip you off or you have to pay me money. And it's so systemized. Yeah, that is fucked up. I've never thought about that. And it's not, and nobody realizes. Nobody chooses where they're born into, what you're born into. Like, both of us could have been born into fucking Syria. I know. Yeah, I didn't choose. Yeah. Nobody asked me. Nobody asked any of us, (laughs) you know? And to think that it's linked to a past life that you can't access or explain is so fucked up. And then to just just to not recognize that it's just dumb luck. Yeah. Just luck. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, too, talking about the exotic being exoticizing or similar to fetishizing mm-hmm. uh, certain yeah, races or and it, it's all I mean it's like that's like, like a macro level of like what can happen in relationships when we put like a partner on a pedestal or something it's it's secretly dehumanizing you think you're doing mm-hmm. them you're only because like you're doing them a favor you're like you're like no 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 I only think amazing things but that's not that's dehumanizing to not see somebody's flaws you know, and it doesn't mean you can't love them and can't love Indian culture or Hinduism, yeah. but like, 
yeah, if you act like, oh no, that's the right one. Like all the other rooms are wrong. They but they nailed it. There's nothing. There's no issues there. Yeah. Yeah. That's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. I think about, about anything. People will be like, oh, Buddhism must be the most incredible, amazing religion. That's super fair. They preach compassion and the middle path and like mm-hmm. detachment from things. Growing up in Thailand, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen on the front page of the newspaper some high monk was busted with like three private jets and like 48 Bentleys and like sick ass. Oh my God. And I'm like, don't they preach detachment from material things? Yeah. yeah they've been like collecting shit. Mm-hmm. And then there's like Buddhist monks in Burma that were um, murdering the Rohingya people right. because they didn't belong to any. Or because they're Muslim and they're a refugee. And I'm like, Buddhists are supposed to be compassionate. Why are you hating on anybody? Mm-hmm. And Buddhists, uh, I'll say this is somebody who's been to a couple of Buddhist symbols. Kind of boring sermons. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say yeah. that too. Pretty dry. Come on, put a little personality into it. That's all I'm saying. It's very dry. I mean, I am, I am sort of kidding, but I'm also, at the same time, I'm like, man, there's like a. Maybe there's something about being an enlightened being that just keeps you so even keel, and I'm like, I can't, <laughs> you know, as a comedian, I can't be too much like that. I mean, I agree with you. I, <laughs> I mean, agree. it's terrible, because, like, I want to, I mean, I, and I meditate and shit, and I, well, I'm not actively meditating really, but, like, I theoretically I meditate. I used to meditate, I, I will meditate again. Oh, a good again. day. You know, it's, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where I, as soon as I build up momentum doing it, it works, and then I go on a vacation, and it's, like, first thing I have to do, do what you need to when you need to. Thank you. Yeah, fuck it. Thank you. Uh, maybe I need to more than I do, but I, you know what? I'll pretend I don't need to. Um, it humbles us to have a couple things we feel guilty about not doing. Thank you. Uh, yeah. You know what? Shame gets a bad rap in this culture. That's right. Uh, we get, we're all about being shameless. You know what? Let's have a little healthy shame. I like, I like yeah. Self-shame. Let's feel a little bad about it. I mean, seriously, I do feel like... There's a certain level of guilt that is just your inner voice, like your highest self being like, you need to do things like that. Like there's, there's bad guilt, which is just the internalized sort of fucked up things, which is just like shit your parents told you or shit, you know, that we don't want, that's where we get mixed up because we want to separate, we don't want to have that. Mm -hmm. You know, I should feel guilty when I've been an asshole to somebody. Yes. You know, I shouldn't, I I should feel bad about that. Yes. I don't want to be like, you know what? Fuck it. YOLO. I was my best self. I'm just I'm just being me. And if you can't handle it, then tough. I'm just straight talking how I feel. I'm just keeping it real. Just keeping it real, man. That's the most fucking asshole excuse. I know. It, it, that's the that's the West version of karma. Is I'm keeping it real. It's just yeah. to justify our, our stupid shit. That's true. So, wait, so you're growing up, you're going to some holiday, your, your dad's... Your dad's praying, but he's not, like, forcing you to do it or anything. No, he doesn't force us. It's like, before we get on an airplane, my mom will always make us pray. Cause like, blessings like on the airplane? Yeah, or just, like, a well, pray for a safe travel. Hmm. I, I think she's just a worry word. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that doesn't have to do with the, the Indian thing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's something to... Uh, somebody was on this podcast a long time ago talking about their... how. They would have like their car blessed or things like that when they would. Oh yeah. Do you have a lot of stuff that's blessed, or do you get stuff blessed? Yeah, um, that's a very Thai thing too. Okay. And and a Hindu thing. It's very like Buddhist and Hindu thing in Thailand and Indian culturally. 
Um, so yeah, we get our when you buy a new car, it's blessed. There's like three uh, dots made with this like white powder cream thing, and yeah. like a little symbol. Um, you bless. Oh, you bless new homes for sure. You always do like a housewarming prayer session. I've been to like so many Buddhist ones like that. That's why I'm like really? that droning where it's like. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and for like four hours, and I'm like, I can't sit anymore. Yeah, like, oh my god, can I get up and get a drink? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and they also, there's also superstitions on like what day you should get a haircut and what day you should go buy a car because this really? is not a blessed Tuesdays are not a blessed day for a car purchases, really, or something. Yeah, something like that. We do the haircut one. I think it's like Saturday. Don't go on a Saturday. Fuck, I always go on a Saturday. Well, that explains it. <laughs> Maybe I should stop going to sport clips too. That's why it looks terrible. <laughs> it's a Saturday thing. Yeah, you go yeah. to sports clip on a different day. Yeah, they got you. Well, the, well at least none of the uh, like none of the Hindu uh, hairstylists are going to work on a Saturday. So I think that's why it's not. Yeah. Um, so what's what was like when you were growing up? Were you how into it? Were you? Yeah, that's cool, whatever, like, you're not really questioning it, or you're kind of resenting it, or... Um, the one fun thing about Hinduism is there's so many rituals, mm -hmm. so as a kid, it's actually kind of fun, because there's always colorful flowers, and then there's always, like, uh, desserts that are being blessed that you eat after mm -hmm. as, you know, a, a sacrament, and then, um, there's always, like, fire, and smoke, and, like, leaves, and, like, <laughs> uh just like a lot of colorful arrangements and things yeah and so that was always fun for me because it was like so many things to play with mm -hmm. like it's i don't know much about catholicism mm -hmm. but it feels very different from catholicism what i know about catholicism is it seems very dark <laughs> and yeah. um a little stripped down i guess unless you, of course you're like talking to filipinos about their catholicism but it seems it just seems a lot more colorful and more involved like uh like for diwali we have a one of our customs diwali is like our the hindu new year and it's also celebrating um, the victory of light over darkness and good over evil but also uh, wealth so we have a coin collection of like coins my dad has collected over decades and then we wash them on Diwali. That's cool. So that's a super fun thing for a kid to do because you have all these coins and you wash them in water and then you wash them in like a milky water uh -huh. and then you lay them out on a nice tray. It's like the ultimate worshipping of money. <laughs> so weird. And you spray it with perfume mm -hmm. and then you like um, bless it with a, the, like a saffron um, colored water dip wow. thing that you also like they put on people's foreheads to bless them. Um, yeah, so there's like this like ultimate blessing and then at the same time the priest is doing this He like has a big tray and then he draws out these Lines that represent the, and in the little squares they represent a different major god Because there's like thousands of gods, but there's like a handful that are the major ones, right? Um, <laughs> so all like the major ones are wrapped on this tray, but then he'll go through during the prayers and then be symbolically feeding each of these and then bathing them wow clothing them by putting a little piece of uh, like a leaf on it uh spraying with perfume again because you adorn them beautifully and it's very so it's very like 
hands-on. Yeah. So that's super fun about it. That's cool. Man, as a priest, that would be like so much work to remember all that shit. So much, but that's why they do it. I think they, like, the more you increase ritual in a religion, the more you make the general public need, like, a medium to God. Oh, sure. Because it's, a normal person wouldn't fucking know how to do that ritual. It's, it's job security. Oh, for sure. Yes. That's <laughs> half of that. Yeah, you complicate the shit out of it. Yeah, that's interesting. But there is something, I mean, we, we like the rituals. We like the having the things to return to. I mean, it's, you know, it's like uh, at a college football game. I like I like the, the band at the halftime. I like yeah. the, the coin toss. I like all, I like just knowing what's going to happen. And I like mm-hmm. it, it, it happening, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's something comforting. I mean, it's like, a, I mean, I know what meal I'm going to, like, you know, and bring it back to the food thing. Yeah. I'm not necessarily often surprised per se what I'm gonna eat, but it's I'm not surprised to be blessed or something or something about mm-hmm. the ritual of it. Totally. Yeah. It's well, fun and comforting. But what time what what shifted you to where you, like what started making you more shall we shit shall we say, uh, jaded towards Hinduism? I think just the older I got when I was talking to people of different socioeconomic levels that are Hindu or Buddhist, because Buddhists believe in karma too. It's a derived from Hinduism. And just people in like a, a needier position will just kind of feel like they, there's nothing for them to do or fight it, and they feel like they deserve it. That's what I think really pissed me off, is people in a worse position than me felt as though they deserved it. And I'm like, nobody deserved anything. I did not deserve all the blessing I was born into. Yeah. Definitely didn't do shit all to deserve it. Yeah. We just kind of all need to recognize it and then not exploit it. Yeah. That's so heartbreaking to like... Yeah. To hear that people, it's... Yeah, that internal... <laughs> like internalize their cast. Yeah. It's so, so like... like I was born to clean toilets, and I'm just going to clean toilets forever, and it's fine, and it's there because of something I did in my last life. Like, this must be happening to me because of my last life. And I get that the, it, it probably makes life a little easier to live, because how are you going to live every day just fighting all the time? Yeah. But. Well, all religions, we, we seek to, you know, it's just a human nature to want to justify inequality on some or you know to explain evil or explain injustice we want there to be a reason we don't want it to just be chaos yeah and like shit's just unfair yeah um man that's a yeah it's a bummer to hear that yeah but what do you think too i've I've always wondered about this um i well i'm curious on your take before i inject my question too Hmm. but um you're talking about the Bhagavad Gita. It's one of the one you would say maybe along, maybe along a little bit with Islam. It seems to be, you know, fine with a degree of violence or the idea that we have to fight for good. Like we mm-hmm. have to, and then sometimes that means war. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you? What is your take on that? Is that something you are fine with or have a, a beef with or like the violence aspect? I have a beef with. I like that. I like that choice of words. Um, yeah. I definitely, I definitely have beef with that. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know if, I mean, it looks like we read some of the similar books, like The Art of War and things, but 
I don't know how necessary violence is in our society or if it just comes from a place of insecurity and a lack of or a lack of will to understand yeah and like tribalism too I mean it's like, yeah. like an ancient I mean it is true that violence is one of the oldest human traditions out yeah. there but uh, so is racism mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, and it's funny you mentioned the art of war I haven't read in a while but like I mean, in the art of war, basically, the art of war is about avoiding war as mm-hmm. much as possible. It's mm-hmm. about, like, positioning yourself strategically that you don't have to, you just outmaneuver your enemies to the point where war is not necessary. That's one mm-hmm. of the, it's one of the things in that. So, yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I, do, I go back and forth, too, because there is, there are times where it feels like pacifism doesn't work. I mean, what do you do in the name of a fucking Hitler? I mean, you, you have to fight back against the Hitler, right? Right. You do. You know? I just... I think what's been helpful for me is... One of those books I read have just stuck with me. It's called King Leopold's Ghost. And it's about um, this king of Belgium who basically was responsible for, like, rape, murder, and pillage in the Congo uh, when Belgians went and basically cleared that land out and claimed it for him personally, not even for the country of Belgium. But the author who wrote that book wrote it almost like a novel, even though it was all nonfiction, um, explaining how this guy, this king was raised and his family background and what his relationship with his father was and then how his sister turned out as well. And I think that's so much more important for people to focus on than just historical facts. And I think that is the root of everything. Everybody comes from a family situation. Yeah. And everybody is holding on to shit that had, you know, fucked with them when they were a kid. Right. And we pretty much spend the rest of our lives trying to reconcile that or express our aggression. Yeah. Because of that. Well, I mean, when they say we're 50%. The Hitler's parents should have been better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? I mean, well, it's, they say, I mean, rough figures, we're like 50% nature and nurture, right? Huh. But we don't have control over either one of those as a kid. We kind of get to pick our nurture a little bit the older we get. We could even mm-hmm. choose what, but then I mean, this is like going into like Sam Harris, like arguments that we don't have free will, and I don't know how to go feel about that, but like, I mean, I mean we want to believe we do, but at some level it seems like at what point does my it seems like you could easily go back far enough and be like well, I only made that decision that feels like free will because I had this set of experiences that informed me and I didn't choose, if you go back far enough on the long, long on the line, then I didn't choose the original set of circumstances that led me into this shit. True. You know? So it's freaky. It's true. But I don't like thinking about it because I want to believe that I'm a, a free agent and it's not, it doesn't seem helpful to be like, well, it's, oh, I'm, everything's predetermined, so I don't have to do anything. It's true. Yeah. It makes me feel like giving up. But then you're free, your lack of free will wouldn't let you give up, so I wouldn't worry so much about that. Cool. Uh, we're safe though. Yeah, we're good. So it all, it all comes back around. Um, oh, fuck, there's something else I've Oh, what does, uh, another thing that annoys me about people appropriating Hinduism, mm-hmm. uh, another one of our big holidays is Holi. Um, it's about H-O-L-I. I was about to say, I'm like, Sound. Oh, yeah. you can't just call it. Holy. It is a holy holiday. 
You don't, Sorry. <laughs> you don't get to just claim the word <laughs> holy, okay? I mean, it is, but, um, I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, but yeah, it's holy and it's in the uh, springtime. Um, and that's where Color Run came from. Really? Yes, because we take, it's, uh, we have like a big color fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's supposed to wear white. And then you throw colored powder at each other. Mm-hmm. And um, then uh, Western commercialism, uh, capitalism, uh, adopted that and uh, wow. made it into the Color Run. What's the original reason behind it's just a colored full celebration, I think a welcoming of spring. Okay. There's also, I don't know what's, because we were not that religious, I sure, don't yeah. know what specific gods were tied with that. Mm-hmm. But there's some kids who are just like covering themselves all in blue, just be like, oh, uh, I'm a god now. I'm like, Come on, chill out. <laughs> Probably. Let's chill, man. Probably. So that's weird. So like, do you think, we ever even, I don't think we ever even answered fully, maybe, I mean, it's fine, we don't know, but like, the blue thing, I guess it's like a racism thing, but it's like these, it just signifies their God. Like, is this shorthand that mm-hmm. maybe, like, when you're you're thinking about, like, if we go back far enough when the origins of, of Hinduism or any mm-hmm. religion, it's like a lot of it is just, it's passed on to people who are like illiterate, you know? Yes. And so, and you're using a lot of illustrations. So you're like, here, the blue ones are God. Yep. Just, <laughs> just shorthand. Let's, yeah. make, let's keep it easy. Like, with, like, you know, because they probably had, like, one original one that was, like, a normal-looking person. They're like, I don't believe that's a god. All right, hold up. Make it blue. All right, there. Boom. He's god. Great. Can we move on to the rest of the story now? Thank okay. you. I, I I feel like, yeah, for sure. Especially <laughs> with the literacy rate in India. It's so low. Yeah. You know, people are not, don't really have access to education. Mm. So, a lot of these things are passed down visually. Um, Did you have a... Total not sequitur, but did you have a guru growing up? Oh, you... I did. Yes. Yeah. We talk about that too. A lot of Indian families have gurus. Like a family guru. Like a family guru, aside from being Hindu or Buddhist or whatever your religion is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of Christians, Catholics. There's Jewish people in India. Even there's like all different religions represented. Because what a huge population. Right. But everybody has a guru. That is not necessarily like a Hindu guru. So our family was um, or is devout believers of uh, Satya Sai Baba, who is one of the most pop or was, he's now passed away, but was one of the most popular gurus in all of India. Um, He, I think, started in around the 60s. Yeah. Um, My grandfather was super into it. Another who was like a celebrity follower, the guy who, Isaac Tigret, who who uh, started Hard Rock Cafes, <laughs> was a big follower of oh, yeah? Satya Sai Baba. And if you go, he's since sold the Hard Rock Cafe franchise, but I think because Satya like, Baba advised him to. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's probably a good idea because Hard Rock's not doing too well. No. Anyway, so. He like sold it before it started doing badly or something. Well, that sounds like a fucking great guru then. You know what I mean? This is a like great financial advisor. Broker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you walk into Hard Rock Cafe, it says love all, serve all. And that is one of the main slogans of the Guru as well. He also has a... I don't want to call it a cult. But I don't know what the difference is between like followers of a Guru and a cult. I mean, there was no mass suicide. 
Depends on how much money you require and the degree of like adherence but that was the other thing that totally pissed me off. Like growing up, my family was uh, big believers of this crew, and we, you know, had a community. And it was people from. It was very international too. So we were Indian ties. There were ties. There were Japanese followers. There was uh, British followers. There were American followers. All in Bangkok. Um, yeah, because they all subscribed to these beliefs of uh, nonviolence, peace, right conduct love and truth mm-hmm. but what weirded me out those things I believed in but the what weirded me out was um, this crew would manifest things like do physical manifestations yeah. of like here's like a gold chain I just pulled out of my sleeve like, like a magic trick like a magic trick and I was like why do you have to do cheap magic tricks but I, that comes to the wow. illiteracy thing again because I don't think People are not going to just, you know, they want to, like, see something special. Yeah, well, I mean, it's similar to how this is something that frustrates me with, frankly, all religions Mm -hmm. and fundamentalists is, like, the need to believe in something supernatural or else it's like they don't, like, like they wouldn't follow the principles of the religion if the miracles of Jesus weren't a thing or, like, you know, like, why can't we just follow these great teachings without that? I mean, it seems like seem, but maybe that's just a fundamental human thing, especially back in ancient days. Like you need, you need some kind of proof. You need some kind of concrete thing that's sort of like, oh, this is real. This is magical, for lack of a better word. You know, supernatural. I, I'm curious. I mean, I'm trying to get my head. So you you have a guru that's like, you have gurus that are sort of like mega stars, like author type mm. figures. But then do you also have like a personal level guru that you actually meet face to face that's doing like these manifestations or what is, or is like, he's, is he like a guru that's like a sub guru of like the larger, he's like, a, he's a devotee of the larger guru and then he, but he's kind of a teacher. No. So all of them have their own following. Okay. Yeah. They're not, there's no, not, not that I'm aware of. There's no like sub guru of a guru. Uh-huh. Um, it's not like chef, sous chef, and then I cook, but <laughs> to guru. Um, but the more money you donate, pretty much, and the more involved you are with the guru's projects, the closer you can personally get to the guru. So that also really ticked me off. It just hurt my heart sink. I know. <laughs> um, because, yeah, as I was growing up, I was like, what the hell is the difference between a lot of my family would go to the ashram? quite often, like at least once a year or something. My grandfather all the time. Um, but I went finally, I think after I graduated college, I went in my 20s. And I just know, I was like, why did we get better rooms? Other people got shitty rooms. And they're like, oh, you know, like deleting blah, 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 like involved. And I'm like, but that's not fair. And I was like, especially if it's gosh, aren't we all, isn't this the one place where we should all be equal? But it's still not. Some people had to wait in line for like five, six hours before entering the ashram. Other people just had, you know, their VIP like gated. It was like a motherfucking club. It was wow. insane. But and yeah, so that tripped me out. And then also, um, like six years ago, my friend is one of my best friends. She has been my best friend since we're like twelve. So she's very aware of my family following this. Uh, group um but she was like hey um 
now that you know I'm in the coal mine, I like just moved back to New York. She's like, um, I don't know if you've seen this, but BBC did a short documentary expose on your career. And I was like, oh, about what? She was like, might be rumors you pedophile. And I was like, what? Oh my god. I watched it, my world was destroyed. And I wasn't even that big a believer. Yeah. I just kind of just was like, okay, he teaches some cool things. It's stupid that he has to do magic because obviously it's not, that's magic. It's not, he's not making a fucking jade ring out of thin air. Yeah. Um, but that was so upsetting. But uh, then that just contributes to more like, nothing is all good and nothing is all bad. There's, yeah, because surely that guru actually, I mean, sure he helped people throughout his life. There's been a lot of, I mean, people built schools, universities, uh, sewage systems, you know, farms. People have gotten educations and things, but, uh, hospitals, free surgery. Yeah. No, I mean, already. his name, but. But he has to be, do that. Well, I don't know, but it probably sad. He's probably so sexually repressed because he probably did not understand. What's, that's the weird thing, right? It's like almost all, it seems like every type of religious figure that there's some kind of sexual imposition put on, they almost always act out. You know, mm-hmm. you can see with the Catholicism, obviously. But right. It's like, it's just the force of life just trying to get out. But um, yeah. it's so fucked up. Wait, and so I'm curious too, because I've so I read, you know, before the thing started, we pointed out Be Here Now, which I've read, which uh-huh. talked about the Guru, Neem Korli Baba. Mm hmm. Now, I don't remember him talking, I mean, I don't remember anything in there about, like, you donate more. Are all gurus kind of on that system, or? It's never explicitly stated. Yeah. But you definitely gain favor the more active mm-hmm. you are. But different gurus and... are theoretically independent. The op- mm-hmm. they're, they're, like, small businessmen. Oh, um, for sure. You know, they're not always doing it the same way, per se. No, but there's, like, another, what's his name? Oh, Ron Dave. Ram Dave is like a, a pretty popular guru in India right now. His main platform uh, is yoga. Uh-huh. He does like a breathing yoga. Um, he has a TV show. So he like does yoga on stage with all these people following him. But he like makes it as a real spiritual practice. And then now he has herbal toothpaste. He has a line of herbal products out. Oh my god. It's really hard for me not to picture just so a twenty eight year old white guy. And when you're talking about Rom Dave right now. That's exactly who I'm picturing. Yeah. Especially because like Rom Das, you know, is the mm-hmm. author of Be Here Now. Mm-hmm. Also a white guy, but like mm-hmm. Rom Dave. That's fucking great to me. Funny. That's how, like it doesn't matter if they're brown or white. People are just But what does a guru do on like I mean, from what I've heard different gurus described, it's like they reflect back to you. They, they, they give you something psychologically that you need, even though it's not, it's not always like positive love, love stuff. Sometimes they're like, I guess they might tell you to sell a hard rock or whatever. They'll like, they'll give you a certain, like they can, the best ones can analyze you, see where you're coming from, see what you need in this world, and then sort of give you a personalized message or personalized like, energy or something. Has that been your experience or not necessarily? I guess so. I mean, so like you're literally are you just literally everybody meets with the guru like one-on-one or is it oh no you it's very difficult well when he was alive it was very difficult to get a one-on-one they'd call it an interview mm-hmm. with baba um it takes like building a university for that yeah for sure and i'm like and that's also when he was accused of 
pedophilia. Yeah. Um, like you'd have like a private audience with some young boys. But but India's so cool. But that's what I people, love Hinduism. Yeah. <laughs> and so cool and open and rad. Um, and this, I mean, look, I, as somebody who I've definitely done my fair share of personally appropriating aspects of Hinduism, and I, I love, I think what's so attractive to it, too, is like, I mean, I think it's a human drive to A, just feel more like diverse. And you either go one or two ways, I guess you either go you double down on like your white nationalism or whatever the fuck it is, <laughs> you double down on your racism, and you're like, my tribe is the best, I'd have no interest. Mm-hmm. Or you seek out like, multicultural you seek out to like just diversify your own mm-hmm. life as much as possible so i think that's somewhat maybe that's some, something that's going on and like when you grow up with christianity now i can sit here and say that christianity like all religions sort of have equal value and equal shitty things and they mm-hmm. all have their own positives and negatives but it's hard when you grow up as something and you reject that to I think it's often hard to return to that and see mm. the value, but it's easier to be like, oh, there's this new thing. I don't have any baggage with Hinduism. I don't have any family bullshit. And not that you're not, not saying you have family bullshit. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. You know, I can, I can, I don't have like all these memories of like mm. an annoying, you know, cousin or an annoying uncle telling me like, oh, you're going to hell if you don't, if you don't do mm-hmm. this or that. I don't have an uncle that said that to me, but like, for instance. I had an aunt who wouldn't let me wear black in her house. Really? Because it's an inauspicious color. An inauspicious color. And did not like me being tanner. Like when I play soccer and get even tanner. Wow. She was like, that's offensive to God. Is that... I don't know. She like tied it to Hinduism. And she was also one of the most religious people I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not necessarily... But you're right. But like that's what I tie to Hinduism. So I'm like, ooh, I just want to shred the whole thing off. Yeah, so you would almost be more likely to like be like into Christianity or something. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, growing up in Asia, I definitely, like a lot of people in the world, exoticize American culture. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with high school movies, like U.S. <laughs> high school movies to this day. Breakfast Club. Oh my God, every single one of them. Breakfast yeah. Club, Fast Times, Clue, like uh-huh. put it in a high school musical. I yeah. was a full-ass adult when that came out, and I'm still like, I love it. I mean, as somebody uh, who went to high school in America, it was, it was all right. <laughs> it's okay. It was the dream? No, it wasn't, it wasn't quite the dream that we made. made but, um, I think we all, yeah, we all buy into things that are foreign that seem like so different and better than what we yeah. grew up with. Well, what, what about now? What do you, in terms of, do you still, do you ever go to the temple now, just through family, or do you ever... I mean, what's your, do you ever see yourself going back? Would you grade your kids? Is that? Mm-hmm. Just give me five questions to answer at once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like, would I raise my kids with kids with Tinder? I really still appreciate the community aspect of it. Um, that's where you can go and see, you know, your cousins, and, like your neighbors and your friends who you might not otherwise see because everybody has such disjointed lives now you know you're not like in the same village anymore like we all used to live um so i like the community aspect of it just this whole like ingrained racism and sexism that i can't get over and ageism yeah wait the ageism yeah well there's like i think it's a lot more part of the indian culture i guess 
um, versus being a part of Hinduism. But yeah, you respect your, oh, no, there's Hindu texts that tell you to treat your parents like God. Wow. Um, so like if you're a, a boy, you touch your parents' feet for blessings. But if you're a girl, you don't touch your own parents' feet. You'd have to touch your in-laws' feet. But then you, you're also taught as a woman that your husband is God. A lot of gods keep up. There's a lot of gods. Like, uh, there's a lot of respect and honor. But then we're also taught that any guest who comes to your house, you should treat as though they were God. I like that. There's also stories that, like, oh my God, there was a, you know, in the books and stuff. Um, like a stranger shows up and they were treated terribly, and then all of a sudden they reveal themselves to be God mm-hmm. as a warning. Sure, yeah, that's similar to Muslim culture too. Mm-hmm. The, the visitors are sort of the, treated as above all else. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a Christian story too about like Jesus saying like, I mean, we don't know how literally he meant it per mm-hmm. se, but he talks about like when he's talking to his disciples. He says like, "Oh, you clothed me when I was poor. Like when I showed up, he like I was that person. Like who showed up at all these different places. Like I was the, the inmate you visited in jail. Yeah, um, things like that. So I, I do like that that part. Sure, um, So yeah, I guess we're about out of time. Um, this one last final question: um, If you could." <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm trying to think. Different question to ask you. What would it? What would it take for you to go back to the temple? What would it take for you to be Hindu again? Oh my god. Uh, what would have to be different? I would have to have. <laughs> I don't think I could. I don't think I could ever. Mm. There's just, just too many. There's too many beliefs. Yeah. They used to just mind control people. Is there like a liberal version of Hinduism where it's like, you know, certain branches of Christianity or Judaism, they're kind of like less literal about a lot of the stuff? I think that's just the cultural. That's just, you just are just less into it. Yeah, you're just less into it. I just like don't eat beef at home because I have a respect to my parents, but I'm not like, oh my God, I'm eating the mother cow. But I also, but yeah, I think once you realize like the political implications of religion and how religion is used politically to fuck with people and to control people and to get votes, um, there's a new character I do uh, called Beef Police, um, <laughs> which gives me such joy to do it because I think it's so stupid and ridiculous. But in most states in India, it's illegal. This current government has made it illegal to slaughter cattle. Um, but that's because the government wants to win the majority of votes. The majority of people in India are Hindu. They will side with a religious government that they feel represents their religion. Sure. However, it is screwing up all the butchers who are Muslim. Yeah. Because it's making what they've been doing illegal. It's, it's putting them out of business. It's putting them out of business, and that's so fucked up yeah and that's just using that's using religion to win votes instead of yeah yeah being cool well, that's an american tradition too so. i know <laughs> we are seeing um well uh, i guess that that's about it but thank you so much for coming 
cool. Uh, where can uh, where can people find you? What do you, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I'm on Instagram as, uh, <laughs> at Sunanda S I O U X N A N D A. You can see the shows I have upcoming on there. Um, something I'm really proud of is called Indian Wedding. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a show I uh, produce and host with um, another South Asian performer here named Amrit Dantaliwal. Mm. It's uh, pretty much every other month at three clubs. Our next one is September 13th. Cool. Um, and it's a variety comedy night where we feature South Asian stand-up storytellers, characters, and also dances. And it's basically a fake uh, Indian wedding I love night. that. Yeah. That's cool. I'm doing a, a similar, well, not a similar thing, but my, I have a live version of this podcast called Okay. It's, not, it's not a podcast, but, like, it's a fucked up, like, a, a Christian worship service. Oh, cool. With, with comedy. That's stuff. funny. So I love that. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, man. I'm going to check you out. I'll, we'll check each other's shit Just out. Check cool. uh, Thank you so much for coming and being, uh, educating the shit out of me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is great. And that's the show. Once again, thank you so much to Sananda. Thank you guys for listening. Chooseyourownreligion.com for all the episodes and blog posts, whatever else you want. I love you. Jamaste. What's a creative podcast network?